We were just going to put a little extra thing in now before I hand over to Mike to finalise this session. Yesterday afternoon, I had a knock at the door. I opened the door and there was Brenda, Brenda Cossey. She said she had a poem that she thought would be very good, perhaps for next Christmas, because it was a little too, bit too near today to fit in. When, when we read it, we thought, actually, it would fit in really well. And it's all about the characters surrounding the births, surrounding the nativity. It talks about the innkeeper, and it talks about the shepherds, and it talks about the, the wise men. Now, these men that we're all talking about were very down-to-earth, are very earthy people, except maybe for the wise men. <laughs> and I was thinking, actually, they would have spoken in their own dialects, probably from Nazareth, probably from Bethlehem, wise men probably from Persia or yeah. somewhere like that. And I thought, we can't do that. We can't read this poem out like that. So, and then I thought, between us, we've got some native inbuilt dialects. We have some Scottish blood, and we have some Brummy blood, and we have some Norfolk blood, which is me. So we're going we're gonna to read this, and if you can imagine, <laughs> if you can see beyond the accents, <laughs> see, see the truth of this story. It's all about the innkeeper, and it's called The Man Who Didn't Have Time. I'm going to try a Scottish one, we'll see how it goes. The innkeeper rushed, he was in such a hurry, he had time to waste on money and worry. In his little hotel, the nooks and the crannies were jammed full of children and parents and grannies. Uh, he, growled to, uh, a gra <laughs> he growled as he answered the knock at the door. He didn't have room for anyone more. He peered at the man in the, in the shadowy light and the woman and the donkey alone in the night. My wife, said the man, is weary and worn. As you see, her baby's about to be born. No room, the busy innkeeper said, and it was shown as it was by the shake of his head. I'm sorry I'd like to help you and be kind, but I simply have too much else on my mind. Although, he mused, in the barn you could stay, in there in the back, out of the way. It isn't exactly a first-class hotel, and there's flies and there's dirt and there's animal smell. But take it or leave it, it's all that I've got. And the man in the shadows sound, sighed as he thought. But he went and made pillows of hay in the stable for Mary, his wife, as best he was able. And the innkeeper went to his own cosy suite and then made sure he had plenty to eat. Then he went back to working as fast as he could and did all the things that an innkeeper should. And shepherds were working in the field that night. They were on night shift as well. When an angel appeared with a story to tell, he stood in their midst in a shimmering light and their hearts started jumping and thumping with fright. The angel announced, I bring you the news that the Saviour's been born, the King of the Jews. You'll find him all wrapped up in a manger of hay. And the shepherds all turned to each other and said, come on, let's go just as fast as we can. And they dropped all their work in the field and ran. 
Oh, how delighted they were when they saw the baby, their king asleep in the straw. Their hearts were merry, they bubbled with mirth, and the news started spreading over all the earth. While the man at the inn kept working so hard, he missed what happened in his own backyard. Ah, well, in the sky in the east, in a far distant land, God hung a star, brilliant and grand. Three wise men said, it's to tell us the news, that a saviour's been born, the king of the Jews are. They stopped and they dropped all the work they'd been doing, for somewhere far off, importance was brewing. They loaded camels with treasures and gold and all the supplies that their saddles could hold. Through, though not hand sand as well, though hands hot sandy, yes, though through hot sandy deserts, they travelled each day. The star was a compass to show the way. Their friends and families were all left behind. For months they continued our purpose in mind. To them, the very most wonderful thing was to worship the baby their saviour and king. And then came a day, they rounded the bend, and they brought with them joy to their journey's end as they bowed to the child sent from above. They gave him their treasures, they gave him their love. And wise men and shepherds, and peace untold, they had found God's gift more precious than gold. All of them acted exactly the same. They pushed aside everything, everything else, and came. And the innkeeper, well, he's a different story. He missed the peace, the joy, and the glory. He could have said, come, eat at my table. You take my room, I'll take the stable. But it seems he's as hurried and worried and miffed and never took time to find God's gift. That gift, you see, is Jesus, a saviour and a friend with life forever that will never end. He wants to enter your life and your heart. And stay there forever and never depart. He knocks on your door. He's knocking today. Will you tell him, come in, or will you turn him away? I do think the, the innkeeper gets a bit of a short shift there, but there you go. <laughs> Thanks, Brenda. Yes, thank you, Brenda. I'm just so pleased that uh, the powers of be realised that the wise men came from Birmingham. I mean... <laughs> You know, that's, that, that needs a stretch of imagination, doesn't it? More like Persia than Persia, I think, if you know the Midlands. Anyway, you may have noticed all through the readings we've had this morning, and most of the carols too, there's a common denominator, and that's a particular name. And as you know, in ancient days, particularly in the Middle East, names had a very special meaning. They still do today, but we don't tend to think of the meaning behind the name when we name our children so much today as they used to. It wasn't just choosing family names. It was choosing names that said something about the person, the child they were giving that name to. Now, some of you might recall that when I used to take dedication services for babies, I always used to share their name and give you a bit of background to where their name come from and a lot of parents were determined to catch me out by changing the most strangest of names but I managed to find the meanings of them somewhere even if I had to make it up. Anyway, what's in a name anyway? Well, for, in for instance, Elaine. Where's Elaine? There you are, Elaine. Do you know what your name means? 
Well, it's a French name originally, and it means to be brilliant, like a torchlight. Well, that, we, we knew that, didn't we, Elaine? We knew that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, let's have a look at K. K. You know what your name means, K? It comes from the Latin, and it means joyful. Come on, force yourself. Go on. There you go. And um, Philip. Now, does Philip know what his name means? Lover of horses. There you go. Do you like horses, Philip? You don't. <laughs> I like horses. I should have been called Philip, shouldn't I, really? Yeah. And uh, Karen. Karen, do you know what your name means? No, it's Germanic. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and it means pure. Where's Mike? <laughs> anyway. Now, Wesley. You know what your name means, Wesley? It means a pain in... No, it doesn't. <laughs> it, it means from the Westwood. Well, in your case, the Wild Westwood, isn't it, really? Yeah. So, for some reason, you're from the Westwood. And those are names now. Um, Eileen. I know Eileen's here. There you go, Eileen. You know, your name means Eileen? Well, it's uh, an English, an old English name, and it means a bright, shining light. So, there you go. Uh, Malcolm. Malcolm's here as well. Malcolm, now you know that your name's from Scotland. It's a Scottish name, Malcolm. Do you know what it means? The diligent servant. That fits you to a T, doesn't it? Because you're a very diligent servant. So, yeah. Dick. There you go, Dick. Now, Dick, of course, it's a shortening of Richard, as you know that, which is another old English name. That means powerful ruler, Dick. Yes! <laughs> so watch out, Jill. Okay. Now he knows. And uh, Brenda. We've got... Uh, Brenda. And we've got two Brendas today, haven't we? Do either of the Brendas know what their name means? Nope. Well, Brenda is an old Norse, a Scandinavian name, and it means a sharp sword. So all I can say, Paul, is don't upset her. Okay? There you go. So you'll be interested to know that my name, and of course Mr. Blower's name, Michael, also has a meaning. It means who is like God which just shows how inaccurate these things can be. Wouldn't that be a bit of a disappointment if God was anything like me, let alone Mr. Blower? Anyway, I'm sure by now we're all familiar with the nativity story, and I hope we never become over-familiar with it, because I'm one of the people that loves the nativity story. I love to see children act the Nativity Story out. It always worries me when schools and even churches try and find a different way of doing it so that you can't see the original story. There's nothing more magical, more beautiful, more stunning, more elegant, more powerful than the story we've looked at today. And I encourage you, even if you think you know it forwards, backwards and sideways, to look at it again and marvel at the wonder of what that first Nativity is all about. You see, if they wanted to make up a story, they wouldn't have included shepherds and stars and wise men and journeys and all that and angels. They'd have kept it fairly simple so as not to make people think it's just a magical tale. But you see, it has that ring of truth about it, the story of the nativity. And uh, Joseph, or his name was Yusuf probably, we just anglicized it. He was visited by a heavenly messenger, you remember. And the angel not only disclosed the gender of the baby that Mary was carrying, but also said to him, and you are to give him the name Jesus, or in Hebrew, Yeshua. That was his name. Because the name has a meaning, you see. Yeshua means the rescuer, or deliverer, or savior. 
And that's why they called him Yeshua. He has other names. 600 years before he was born, Isaiah said, and he should be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father. And they called him different names, Messiah, which means the one who will redeem and rescue. All these names and titles had a meaning. And if you look through all of those carols, they all speak about the giving of this name being so important. You see, Joseph would have been a little bit miffed because every father had the joy of naming their child, particularly their sons. But he was told, it's been done for you. You have to call him Yeshua because he will save his people from their sins. More than this, the angel said to him, and he will be known as Emmanuel, which means God with us. Think about those three words this Christmas, God with us. It's God who is with us, not just a holy man or a peaceful man or even a man of miracles and good things. It's God who is with us. God is with us. He's not up there looking down, hoping we get it right. He came down to be with us to walk with us, to talk with us, to go along life's way with us through the tough times and the good times and all that's in between. And it's God with us. He didn't just come for some. He came for all of us. You see, the Bible says, everyone, all who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. No one's discounted. You can't sit there and think, oh, that's okay for them, but not for me. You're included in the all, in the everyone. But you need to call on him in order to be saved. You might have noticed in this wonderful nativity story that despite the wonder and beauty and magnificence of all that we're told, very few people actually heard the story. Very few people at all went to where Jesus was and recognized who he was. Very few people saw him at all and very few people worshipped him. And it's strange, isn't it? The most wonderful thing that's ever occurred in the world only a few people were witnesses of it. Because when he came the first time, he came as the Savior of the world. And as we saw in John's Gospel that was read to us at the end by Linda, the light came into the world, but the darkness did not understand it and did not receive it. The Word came and lived for a while among us, but the people he came to save rejected him. That's why so few saw him that first time. But this season of Advent is not just about looking forward to Christmas, though we are hopefully looking forward to Christmas. Let's not join Scrooge with the Bar Humbug Chorus. I know it's tempting. It's become so commercialized, hasn't it? We know that. And sometimes what you see on the telly and elsewhere winds you up a little bit. But don't join the Bar Humbug Chorus. Don't make Christmas something to complain about and wish is over. Let's join the hallelujah chorus with those angels and proclaim the great, wonderful, best news the world has ever received, that God is with us. We look forward now, not only back to that Bethlehem stable and the baby in the manger. We look forward now because Jesus said, I'm coming back. I'm returning. I'm coming soon. Advent is about both events, him first coming and him coming again. We don't fully understand the time in between and how long we have to wait, but these are the last days. We're in those last days because Jesus is on the way. And let me tell you, the Bible even tells us what's going to happen then. And it says when Jesus comes again, every eye will see him. Not just a few, 
not just a few shepherds or wise men or others, but every eye will see him. There'll be no mistaking his second coming. And then we're told that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone will recognize him for who he is. No one will be able to reject him because they will see him for who he is. There'll be no mistake, but some will have to forcibly bow the knee because they never received him before he came. Our prayer for all of you here today, for your family and friends particularly, is that when you celebrate this Christmas, you will be celebrating God with you, Jesus in you, Christ walking with you. Because without him in the strange and fearful world that we're living in, where every day it's disaster and tragedy upon another, without him we have no hope. We truly have no hope. There's nothing we can do about what's happening in the world today. But our God's in control. And he has his hand on the whole thing. And he holds you and me. And our prayers as a team for you this Christmas is that you will know God with you. Not just as a nice story that we read at this time of the year, but as a reality inside your own life, inside your own heart, and that you might worship him like the angels did, like the shepherds did, like the wise men did, and give him your heart. Thanks for listening.